0: Aloha, I'm so happy to see you all here today, and I've got a wonderful guest that, that you're going to enjoy. We've become friends through this podcast business, and she has a podcast of her own called Grief Recovery Now, which is a, a wonderful podcast that I highly recommend. And she works with in grief, the grief recovery method, so she's got lots that she can talk about with us today. This is a Charlene Gorzella, and thank you so much for coming today you welcome, Emily. I was so looking
1: forward to it. We've known each other for a little bit. I can't remember how long it's been, but it's been about a year. I'm not quite yeah, sure. Yeah, I think about a year. But I feel you're a kindred spirit, so I so appreciate you. You never know if you're young, you're old, and you're in the middle or whatever, wherever you are, that you never know the surprises in your life and who you're going to meet. So it was just perfect. So I appreciate knowing you and getting to know you even more. Thank you. I think it was one of those meant to be things
0: Me too. So can you tell us a little about you and what you do?
1: Well, I'll give you a little backstory. My name, as you know, is Charlene Gorzella. I'm an advanced grief recovery specialist and I use a methodology called the grief recovery method. I'm also embarking now in certification in positive intelligence, which I think is really, it's, go to work with my grief recovery work and beyond. I didn't start off doing grief recovery work. I was a CEO of a staffing firm, very busy staffing firm in the city of Chicago, very high energy, get things done right away. You know, I don't want to say stress, even though that was part of it, but it was very on the go, owning a company, staffing people. So, so much was going on and it was the corporate world. I worked in professional services, big companies, small companies, and everything in between. had employees. Well, I sold the company after 26 years, and that was about four years ago. And I decided that after that, I would be in the allowing on what are my next steps. I knew I was being pulled by a vision and pushed by pain a little bit because I knew it was timing. And I said, I'll just be in the allowing. And I've always been in the human potential business. I believe that all the people I worked with in their peer potentiality, right? And we were actualizing it. And even owning the company and outside of having the company, I've always been interested in it. So I, I just had a feeling it would be something like that. Little did I know or would never have thought of in a million years that I would get into grief recovery. And the reason why I got into the grief recovery work and the grief recovery method is because it deals with the human potential. In grief, people talk about it being a horrible thing to have. So sad. She's grieving. He's grieving. Law, you know, so much loss, which is sad. People go through devastating experiences of loss. And what I'm learning too is we are taught how to get, we are not taught how to lose. And I thought that was fascinating when I heard about that. I said, you know, you're right. Whenever I lost, I thought I did
0: something wrong. Yes. I'm- My parents died. Oh, I see, but- I see that. When you, when you, I, I'm just getting what you're saying that, that we do think that if, if we've lost something, then it's our fault, you know? Yeah. Lose
1: a job, lose this. So we have that. When we're losing, we have that going on in our sub- subconscious consciousness in our intellectual shoulda, coulda, wouldas, I did this wrong. Even with my parents, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas are like the relationship. My dad died when I was 16.
0: Mm.
1: And during this time, I'll tell you, I'm a recovering alcoholic addict. And I got sober when I was 30, but my dad died when I was 16. I didn't get to have that father-daughter relationship because I was whoopty doing it, you know, with my friends were more important. I wanted to go and party and have fun. So I didn't quite have that relationship with my father and deepen that. So, and then my mother died when I was 29, right before I got sober. And even though I thought I grieved and I've done a lot of work on that. And then later, decades later, I'm 64 years old and the last few years is when I did even deeper work on brief recovery. I didn't go through the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, or apologies or forgiveness and significant events. It was, I didn't dig that deep and it didn't take a long time to do it. That's what I love about the me- methodology. But I had some unresolved and got resolved and I had some incomplete that got incomplete or that got complete. And it was such a beautiful experience. And I think grieving is sacred. Mm -hmm. And loss could be a sacred thing because there's mixed emotions with loss. I would say mixed emotions that in recovery, I lost my best friend in terms of getting high and drinking and partying and that lifestyle. I thought I'd never have fun again. But I realized it was the exact opposite because I was in my head, even though I knew Soul-wise, that it was the right thing to do, and it was a brave thing to do, but yet it—it's something I had to do. So I was really pushed by pain, and why I went through it. Now that I've been in recovery for a long time, I don't need to be pushed by pain. I can be pushed by a vision. And am I even answering your question? Yes, you are absolutely. And so that's me, and I'm constantly discovering life. There's a thing that I say, I'm doing this positive intelligence work right now, and it helps change your neural pathways. There's so much stuff going on with the brain today, right, that they're discovering new things. It's sort of like searching for outer space and, you know, outer space. People want to go to Mars or whatever. I think the most significant findings more than going to outer space and landing on Mars is our mind. I agree. I agree. And the the neural pathways, and you wonder why can't people, why are they so stuck in depression or alcoholism or whatever it is? It's sometimes the neural pathways that are going on with us. It's not saying that you can't do recovery. And I don't want to get into that into alcoholism or depression or whatever. But this positive intelligence stuff I'm working on, and I'm going to combine it with the grief recovery, is working with the saboteurs in our brain, like judge, judging is our big one.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Our judge first, judging ourselves and others and situations, person, places and things. And also we have the controller, we have the hypervigilant, hyperachiever, the stickler, all this stuff is constantly going on in our lives. I don't care who you are, it's happening. And with this positive intelligence stuff, I'm going to work with, with grief and other things is like, okay, we have our left brain, right? I was confused which one, but that's sometimes where our saboteurs are. What we want to do in this positive intelligence and grief work is change our neural pathways. Let's say the neural pathways are going through your right brain, right? Is you can change it and it can be forever changed. And it's like life is lifelong work. But I'm learning that. And I'm thinking people are so in their head in grief and intellect in their intellect that they don't know how to get in their heart. And I realize, what is that that you can't get into your heart? People are like, how do I get in my heart? Well, first, you know, we got to look at a snapshot of where we are. Are we a big judger? Everybody has a judge. Are we more of a hyperachiever? Are we more of a controller? Or we can have all of them, but in different degrees. Let's look at that. And there's certain exercises you do to go forward
0: and live a life beyond your wildest dreams. That's my goal. I love that. And I, in listening to you, I'm, I'm thinking, well, we do very similar things in, in a little different way. Like you were talking about the, the judge. That was somebody who really controlled a lot of my brain in the past. But I have been working with forgiveness with people. And when that's kind of the, the other end of the, the judging, when, when you can forgive people of whatever happens and forgive yourself of whatever happens that's bothering you so much, then you can be open. Your heart can open up so you can get down into it. You're not allowing that thing in your head to control you. And I, I know that when, when people ask me that question, I'm sure you get asked about how long does grief last? I my feeling is that, that you grieve forever. And that's okay because you love people forever and your grief is carrying their your love for them in your heart. So when you're coming from your heart, then it can be good and beautiful and positive and it's not a bad thing. You're not living in that that constant thing where your head's telling you you did something wrong, you, you know, you're sad, you've got to cry, you've got to be that. And that doesn't serve you. Absolutely. And when I
1: talk about the saboteurs, you talked about the judge and all that. That's that's what the biggie, I believe. And we want to get you to the sage. And there's two parts. Is there's the acceptance part. And then there's the innovator part of the sage. And the sage is the love. You know, when people talk about, oh, I'm in a sage experience. It's just such a beautiful word. I don't even have the definition. All I know is you walk in love. And to be in the sage, you're empathize, you're, you have empathy, you explore, fascinated, you're like an anthropologist, innovate, and you can go, yes, and, and then navigate and activate as preemptive to the saboteurs, like you don't have to be in the saboteur part, the judge. And then have to go back and fix it. After a while, you're just not even going to be using that judge. You'll have inklings through your whole life. And there's techniques to work with it to change the neural pathways in your heart, head or mind and your heart. But yeah, I love the way you live and what you talk about. Because we all get to the same place, we hope. But just little, little tweaks. And so, and I'd like everyone to get that way. How can we get to a place of love? I think we'll change the world. Absolutely. If we're aware and awake. And when you know, oh, you can say bad judge, bad judge. You go, oh, I'm in my judge right now. And it's affecting me. And let me just sit for a minute. And there's, um, that we call them um, PQs, where you do certain things. It could be, okay, when you're in the middle of something, you're judging and you're so fixed on it. Sometimes just take your fin- two fingers and rub them together. These are PQs. That's where it helps your um, saboteurs. Where all of a sudden you're on a saboteur. Just rub two fingers together and and do it until you could like really feel your finger t- fingerprints. Hmm. Or you take one hand and then you sort of take the fingertips and just go in the inside palm on the next on your other hand and just feel that and just sort of be present. In the state you're in, because usually when you're in the judge or uh, any of the others, you're outside of the present. Oh, wow. Does that
0: make sense to you at all? It it really does. It it just I think that's one of the well, I'm thinking you're solving all the problems in the world at the moment. But (laughs) (laughs) What's this got to do about grief? Yes, right. (laughs) Well, a lot of it, like a lot of us are grieving what's happening in our world right now, because we're seeing some pretty awful stuff and hearing about pretty awful stuff. And as long as we send negativity out on that, they, they, we're going to get resistance and neg- negativity. You can be softened by, or soften everything by the way you focus. Do you know the pono" practice? The what? pono practice. No. It's it's an Hawaiian practice that I I just love. And whenever I start to judge somebody, I I get into this frame of mind of of doing it. Nelson Mandela, when he was in Robben Island and in jail for all those years, when he first went in, he was beaten, he was starved, he was ridiculed. It was hideous, just terribly, terribly awful. And he chose to deal with that by loving the people who were doing it, mm. and what happened was, the beatings became less. Less he started getting more food. The guys finally started protecting him. Ultimately, kind of honoring him, and till when he left, they were all friends. And they became when he became president, they became his bodyguards. That. And when I, when I was on, uh, went to Robin Island, the guy that gave us the tour was one of his guards. It had been, and so hearing, hearing about it, you know, from the source that this stuff really happened was absolutely fascinating. That is beautiful. You know, when you think people think kindness and self-care
1: and, you know, the ultimate love thy neighbor, mm-hmm. even if it's your captor. Or whatever, or some of the abuser. And I'm not saying condoning. You talked about forgiveness before. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness, people think forgiveness means condoning. Yeah. It isn't. I'm sure he wasn't condoning the beatings no. and all that. But he had to live his life in the best way he can. Even the guy, who was that who was in a Holocaust, he goes, you have to know your why. Yeah. In life and that's how he survived it. Victor Frankl. Yeah, that I was I
0: was almost there. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> these are people are teachers. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. When when you listen to people that have have experienced the things and turn out to be the kind of person you would like to be. Another example getting back to home, 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 home. It's a, a traditional Hawaiian thing. And since I live in Hawaii now, I've been paying attention to things that make this culture so beautiful and there was a a man a a doctor at a time when the island had a section of his the prison is like the people who who were really really bad awful people and did terrible hideous things and they kept them locked up in this one particular place because they were the worst of the worst and he had the opportunity to go in and work on this so what he did was he went in he didn't go into the prison he didn't meet a single one of the prisoners what he would do is sit there and go through all the things that are written about him and what were going on and when he did that he used this pono, which is is ancient they've done it forever in hawaii but this is an example of how it was used he used that and it, it consists of four sentences the first one is i'm sorry Next one, please forgive me. The next one is thank you. And then I love you. And he would go through these people's charts, their records over and over again on a daily basis and do this practice over and over and over, say these things to these people, even though he wasn't making physical contact with them and wasn't seeing them. The behavior started getting better. Everybody was shocked that these people started getting better because it just, it worked. The people started being able to be released from that ward, and eventually that ward was closed. They didn't need it anymore.
1: That is beautiful. I just did an Aunt Tony Robbins thing, and then we went through it, and then I've heard about that before. I didn't know where it originated from.
0: Yeah, the Hawaiian thing. Okay, what is it again? Oh, okay. Oh, is, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Isn't that beautiful? My,
1: my fiance, he said that to me the other day because I, I don't know what it was. You know, miscommunication, not a biggie. But he said, I'm sorry, please me,
0: <laughs> which is great. Please try it on your loved one. Yeah, it, it, it works. It really works. And I got to thinking about it the other day because, as I said before, we're paying so much attention to what's going on in our world right now. And I journal every day. I have a morning practice that before I get out of bed, I've got to get all all my things written out that I want to write out. And I included, started including in that practice, doing Ho'oponopono to world leaders, all the world leaders. That's beautiful. I'm going to do that too. Yeah. If we can get everybody in the world doing that, then all this stuff will fall away.
1: Yeah. And talking about grief, that is like intangible grief we go through. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not happening to us, but yet it is based on this, Oka, I forgive you and please forgive me and all that. We have more power than we think. And what's happening in the world, I know myself in grief, we don't identify grieving with the things that we are witnessing. There's secondary relationships, third removed relationships. They do, we're all affected by it. And I know, because I was thinking the last few years, I go, I'm on social media a lot. It's part of my work. And plus, I enjoy enjoy it. Nowadays, it's TikTok, Reels, all that stuff. But before that, before all that Reels and stuff, I noticed I love animals. So I would hear all about these animals that are abandoned all these things. It was either horrible things happening to animals, horrible things politically, the polarity, horrible things happening in other countries, sex trafficking, all that. Because I get that through in my podcast, Grief Recovery Now podcast. And I'm sure you talk about all this stuff. We are all affected by it. Mm -hmm. And we have to know that we are affected as we affect others. It's going to the energy comes back to us, too, on the world events. Ukrainian, but we have mixed emotions, like the Ukraine war with Russia. I saw people at the airport. It was horrible, devastating to see maternity wars, all that, people walking around with animals, especially being an animal person. But also seeing people at the airport in Poland, and I'm Polish, is at the airport saying, I have a room for you, room available, and also Airbnb donated all kinds of rooms. They were people from the United States and all over the world were saying, I will give money for rooms. Mm -hmm. So that mixed emotions like there's some good coming out of it. People are opening their hearts to other people who may not have or have the opportunity or didn't think they had never had made the opportunity for themselves to give like that. But something tragic and huge like this pulled them or pushed them into being generous with their dollars, generous with their
0: hearts and opening their homes up. Do you understand what I mean, Emily? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. And I, I was thinking as you were talking about the people that that we see as the enemies, the, the bad ones, a lot of times you're there because that's the only thing they know. That's That is their life. They don't know any different. And it's like, criticizing a baby who doesn't know anything what good is that going to do it's not going to do any good to criticize these people but if you forgive them and send positive things their way it's going to make a difference and, and that just uh, I just splashed on my cousin when I was a kid told me that his mom never spanked him and, and back in those days moms spanked you yeah and I said how do you do that <laughs> and he says I just smile at her when she tries to spank me and she can't do it, you know? <laughs> so, really? Uh-huh. And I thought, you know, if, if we all would approach things with positivity and smiles and love instead of criticism and telling people how bad or saying how bad and horrible people are, things could shift. Absolutely. Well, we had an exercise
1: with pictures, baby pictures, like nine and under or eight and under. So you had to have your baby picture, right? So you look at your baby picture and you see the innocence, you see the love, the, you know, bright eyed and the true essence of the person, the sage of them. While someone in the group, there was like 500 people in this program I was in for seven weeks and somebody put up two pictures of Putin.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He looked like the saddest kid you have ever seen. It was powerful. And I'm not condoning, do I like the guy? No. Do I like what he's doing? Absolutely not. But also my work is to, like you were talking about, okay, let me understand this, that who knows where he came from. And as I said, I'm not condoning. You get somebody who's beating, your trauma that people went through, horrific things happened in the world. Not condoning. But there's ways of going through it in such a sacred way as start honoring your grief, honoring the sadness, honoring the loss and the horrificness of it. Not trying to squelch that, but there is another way as you, you know, there's, I don't want to say there's stages, but be where you are. If that's how you're feeling, be where you are. And hopefully as time goes on, you open up your heart a little bit for yourself and you'll see the magic happen, the sacredness of the experience.
0: You're, you're releasing it for you, and yes. that, that makes a huge difference for you. Yeah. And I was talking in, in a group of people the other day, we were talking about, I had told them about Ho'oponopono, and one of them said, well, what about Putin? How can you say I love you to Putin? And I said, why could I not say it? I don't know him personally. I am not, it's not my place to judge him. And I don't condone anything that he's doing, but that doesn't mean that he's not a human. And he probably hasn't had love in his life. I, I can't see it. Anything I've ever seen or heard about him, I can't see that he's really experienced love in his life. And if people started throwing love his direction, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But also can't get out of their own way with that. They say, oh, you know, they, they can't see beyond the horror of what we're experiencing right now.
1: Yeah. And,
0: you know, there's also,
1: as I talked about the sage, is the acceptance and innovate. Mm-hmm. We have a in 12-step program in AA and all that. They have a acceptance prayer. It's like, it's not a prayer. It's just what they say. And I will get... Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I find some person, place, or situation unacceptable to me, I can find no peace until I accept that person, place, or thing happening exactly as it's supposed to. And you don't know how you will transform from that. And sometimes it's like, excuse the language, fuck you. You know what I mean? Or I'm not going to love this person. Don't. You're not there yet. Maybe there's some kind of, you know, explore what love is. What is your belief system on that? You know, hate him. Go ahead. But how is that in your heart? Is he hurting you by you hating him? No, but you're hurting you by hating him. Do I not like him? No, I don't particularly care. I wouldn't have dinner with him or anything like that. Do I hate what he does? For sure. So who knows her from whence he came? That's right. You don't know. And I'm not forgiving him. Go to prison, do whatever you have to do if he gets arrested or whatever he does. I don't know. But send love to the people and all affected by it. If you can't do it for him, do it for
0: all the people affected. Yeah. because what's going on affects the world. It's not just the people right there at that moment. It's the world that's being affected by what's going on. Yes. And we may get harsh criticism for saying it because
1: it may not be understood what we're trying to say. I agree. They may be coming from one place of the hate and that dimension of it, but we're coming from a place that rises above that and more of a metaphysical, because right now it's a vis- visceral reaction physically, but there's more to meets the eye with everything. And, and study. I would tell people, read the book with Viktor Frankl, how he got through it. Oh, yeah. Nelson Mandela. How did they get through it? Is he a Mambi, Pamby guy? No, no. It's a lot it. of strength to come from where he is, and who knows? He's a being that's on a level of some of our greatest teachers and mystics. I think we're all mystics, and a mystic is someone who always knows the universe is talking to them. Yeah. So he answered that inner call. Somehow, through his childhood or in innate divine intelligence that flowed through him, which I don't have, could I handle what he went through? I hope I never get the opportunity to have to try. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and I think I think a lot of it is what we surround ourselves with. For instance, with both the men you just mentioned, with Victor Frankel and Nelson Mandela. Nelson Bandala has a book that's really thick, really thick. And I read it. I was going to be going with some friends to South Africa. And I thought, I want to know about what's going on down there. And it really opened up my way of thinking. As did then, I, I thought, I need to read Viktor Frankl's book. And I read that. And it opened up my thinking in a different way. And I thought, if both these people can come through these horrors, real, genuine, worst you could do to mankind and come out on the other side and be positive and loving and, and love the people like the prison guards that, that Nelson Mandela hired and, and respected enough to have them protect him, the more we surround ourselves with the kind of examples of the kind of things that we'd like to experience, the better we are. And I like with with grief groups, I I have people all the time say, well, I couldn't go to a grief group because they're just so sad. And people just sit around and cry. And I said, well, then you're not going to the group that's going to serve you. You need to be around people that are the way you would like to be and be in a way that you can support each other. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us feel like we have to do something because somebody told that we have, have to do it that way. But we don't. We can really look at ourselves and say, what's going to serve me best? How how am I going to be able to be the best person that I can be, that I love myself, and I can be able to spread that love out around me by what I do? Yes, and you're doing
1: the you know grief and happiness. You can have them coincide with each other. Mm-hmm. The woman who said happiness, what was the book, the title of the book of the woman that was on your podcast a few weeks ago? Happiness, no matter what was. It was something to that effect. That wasn't it, but it was, it was along that line. Yeah. Oh, but seek out those people. Thank God for Google. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe in the peer to peer model. You know, if you've lost a child who who died or however way you lost them through drugs and alcohol, they're on the street or, you know, death or someone had a different kind of loss. That's, devastating. I don't say what's worse or what's better or whatever and loss, but grief is grief. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes with your peers, if you do do a group, they're there. I believe in the peer to peer model where sometimes they put words, they say how they're feeling. You're like, Oh my God, I could never identify it, but I can relate to you. Mm-hmm. Or they're in a place where they're in the space of the sacred grief where they see the, they have a level of acceptance And they've learned how to innovate in their life, how to make, have a sense of purpose about it. I had a woman on my podcast who lost a son. It was only three weeks old, Mm -hmm. but it was very devastating. It was her first child. She was in her early forties. They ended up um, creating a playground and the child was born with severe handicap. Mm -hmm. So the child died a couple weeks out of the womb. She's heard about a Playground that was for handicapped people so they could be on the same level of children who weren't handicapped. They started with one and it ended up going international oh, that's so cool. and worldwide. You don't know. Sometimes extreme loss. This is the other guy lost his son that was killed by his own gun. He was an officer, a police officer, and it was in a box, very safe. But what happened is four year old went to the box and there was a defect Mm. by the manufacturer and opened it up. Well, now the guy's in grief recovery. He's like being one of the top executives. there, helping people through the grief. And he was able to live a life of purpose because of it. Or you become that phoenix that just rises above and you don't know where it's going to take you. But, you know, of course, grieve. Grieve, grieve, grieve. I would say don't bypass that. There's like a spiritual bypass or bypassing your emotions. Feel it, feel it, feel it.
0: Everybody's unique. I don't care who you are. Yeah, if you don't feel it right now, you're going to feel it sometime. It doesn't go away. It's it there's there's hurt in it. You know, I, as much as with having me having two husbands die as much as I knew my second husband was going to die and I've been through it before it wasn't any easier. It, it absolutely wasn't. And I had to go through those early stages of, of grief, of uh, doing really good self-care, taking care of myself before I could do anything else. I couldn't couldn't help anybody else. I couldn't really do anything else until I was at, at the point that I thought, okay, now what am I supposed to do? And I realized that what I could do is give people what I hadn't had before was that happiness with the grief, finding ways to deal with grief that could be positive, that could help uh, people instead of just have them stay sad. Yes, and the filters of grief.
1: You're, you're a person who's always going inward and exploring and innovating and accepting, and you've had a lot of loss, extreme devastating loss. I think of me with my fiance, he's 70, I'm 64. I think, oh my God, we don't have 50 years left. I would love to, but I look at him with such appreciation. You don't have to do grief recovery. You can do pre, you do this work. So when you do have loss, you take care of your relationships when people are alive Mm -hmm. or appreciation and gratitude before the loss. You don't have to go and regret when when they're gone. Mm -hmm. So it teaches you how to live a more fuller, appreciative, grateful, among other things, lives. And one thing about grief, right at the beginning of, I know our time is almost up, but the beginning of the pandemic, probably the first six months to a year, NBC said the third pandemic will be grief. And I believe it's the filters that we walk through in life. My dad died at 16. It affected my relationships later, because they both my parents died instantly from heart attacks and cardiovascular stuff. I'd get a call, dad died. The next call would be mom died. That's so many years later, right? From 16 to 29. And I realized I was afraid to love fully in relationships. I was wondering, why did I have these relationships that didn't stand the test of time, especially romantic? I was married, didn't last a long time, but I wasn't fully in it. I was like, was I a we with them? Somebody, I did some attachment theory work. And they said, you know, Charlene, you have rights in the relationship. But I was in enough pain and confusion why I couldn't have, like with your relationships, Emily, you were, had long-term, beautiful relationships till death do you part, right? I didn't have that. I was walking around in a filter that I was afraid to love. I didn't want to hurt like that. I had the filters of unresolved grief, incomplete grief. And he said to me, the guy I worked with on the attachment theory, he said, Charlene, there's certain rights in the relationships, in relationships, especially with man and woman, girl, boy, or whatever you are. The right is you have the right to be separate, have a separate life and interest. And the second part, you have a right to belong and be in a we. He said, Charlene. I said, yeah. He says, you've got separate down path." (laughs) you don't know how to be in a we. I go, oh my God, never thought about that. And I think of so many women who are single or men, can you really be in a we? Or are you separate? Like I, my life, you know, all that, even married, I felt separate, but yet I thought we belonged, but I didn't know how to be in a we. And it's because some filter was going on that it affected my life. Believe me, these filters on a day-to-day level, you are affected by it. This was my experience. You may have a different experience with the filters. And defensive, wondering why I can't have a job for a long time. I'm one year, six months, whatever. Take a look at that. Or friendships or whatever your issue, you can't seem to break through. It could be a filter of grief, unresolved and incomplete grief. So now I'm in a relationship, did all that work, grief recovery method, did the attachment theory stuff, really explore it like, motherless daughters, losing your father—you know, fatherless daughters. I just be in that adventure of like, let me study of other people who've been through it. And that's how I learned. And now I'm in an awesome relationship that I've never felt like before we're getting married. And it's like, oh my God, he knew how to be in the way I did. So it was so great to be able to be with someone who's
0: in that. So it's interesting. The, the, uh, it's does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. I hadn't heard of it in that way before, but wow! Yes, absolutely. It's powerful stuff. Yes. Yes, it is. Wow. Well, I think that we could go on forever <laughs> <just> talking <laughs> and sharing because we've got so many things that we have such strong things that we want to help people with, you know, and, and share them and, and do good things for people. So we should probably have a, a, another conversation another time. I know that I've been on your podcast. Now you've been on my podcast. So maybe we'll just keep repeating that. <laughs>
1: I'll let you know when I do. Thank you. I would love it. When I finish more of that positive intelligence work. Mm,
0: that would be and great. And you may be
1: interested in that too, or anybody else. Positive intelligence, Sir Zod, I forgot how to say his last name. If anybody are coaches or in your corporate world or whatever, it's fascinating. It's going to disrupt the coaching practice.
0: Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming. And we'll have in the show notes all the different ways that you can connect with Charlene and she'll be happy to hear from you. And I'm just thrilled that you were able to get to listen in on this conversation today. So I'll see you next week. Do you want more comfort, support and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance.